Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Badham. And in this HR Chat, I'm joined by Tessa James, founder and CEO over at Talent Reimagined, a management consultancy firm and strategic partner in talent transformation on a mission to help companies reimagine their talent processes to drive better business outcomes. That sounds marvelous. Let's learn more. Tess, welcome to the show today. Great. Thanks, Bill. And I was definitely expecting a Canadian accent there. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, great to be on the show. Thanks for inviting me. Well, it's my parents' fault, you see, uh, that they gave me the accent. Um, <laughs> well, I've, got a funny, I've got an international accent too, no problem. You do. You, you have a lovely Australian accent, even yeah. though you get all around Europe. Um, you're an international woman of mystery by the sounds of it. Uh, in fact, why don't we start there? Why don't you, um, why don't you take some of that mystery away, Tessa? Why, why don't you tell our listeners a bit about yourself? Sure. So um, originally from Australia, as you um, identified there, um, although I do think of myself more as a kind of international citizen of the world. Um, I've traveled, lived in in quite a few different places. Um, My background personally is in psychology. So I focused in my education more in occupational psychology or organizational psychology. Uh, and after a few years in the talent consulting space, I transitioned more so in talent, into talent acquisition um, leadership roles and sort of worked my way up into various transformation and change uh, roles, both in London and Switzerland. And it was actually in um, my more recent corporate experience when I was working for a company called Baxter, where I actually I, I pretty much had my second home in Chicago at that time. Um, that's when I really focused my um, career and my experiences and my energy into the transformation space for talent. And that was really the impetus and driver to to step out and to to found Talent Reimagined. Yeah. And so and then just recently, we've now moved to Monaco. So we've just started a new adventure and chapter here. We'll be right back after this message from today's sponsor. If the great resignation is keeping you up at night, Blueboard is here to help. Retain your employees and attract new talent with their experiential employee rewards and recognition. Employees choose from bucket list experiences like learning to kite surf, swimming with whale sharks or meditation retreats and Blueboard's in-house concierge takes it from there. Learn more at blueboard.com and get a free demo today. Monaco listeners, Tess lives in Monaco. What what a hard life, eh? Jeez. Um, okay, let's talk a bit about talent reimagined then, Tess. Um, yeah. My understanding is it, it tries to challenge the status quo by helping companies build new connections uh, across previously siloed work areas. Maybe you can tell me more about that. Yeah, I think there's two aspects to that actually for us. So I think on the one hand, you know, we have solutions and accelerators and governance models that really enforce and bring different um, functions across the business together because there's a lot of, from my perspective, there's a lot of interdependencies, especially as organizations become more pom- complex and matrix. And, and when you can actually break down some of those silos across those work areas uh, and bring people together onto the same journey and, and into the same story, you can create a lot of efficiencies. And a lot of what we do is very much anchored on creating efficiency so we can accelerate sort of through the turn and through the transformation. So there's that aspect where, you know, we we bring marketing and talent teams together. We bring facilities and talent teams together if it's around sort of workspace, workforce design, et cetera. 
Um, and then if, if it's more on a granular level, even in terms of some of the transformation work that we do across the talent space, it's really, it's not looking at technology in isolation, process in isolation. It's really a very holistic approach um, working through uh, and across all of those work streams to make sure that we understand the, the upstream and the downstream at the same time and we can create the right solution from the start. And that's that's really drives our design approach. It, it drives our um, transformation approach and methodology. Um, it's very much around holistic solutions to drive efficiency. Okay, thank you very much. I'd, I'd like you now, if you don't mind, to um, paint a bit of a picture of, of um, maybe get your crystal ball out Tess, if you've got one, you finished unpacking. <laughs> I had one. <laughs> um, I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd like to get your take on on the, the near future of work. One in in which the gig economy or independent workforce are, are the majority of, of that workforce or of, of the overall workforce. I mean, the, the contingent workers, the, the gig workers, that they are growing in numbers as we speak. And and the pandemic, of course, shook things up and and um, encouraged a lot of people to go it alone anyway. Um, so what what will what will work look like as, as we see that tipping point as, as more people are, are no longer traditional employees? Yeah, I mean, I'm happy you asked this question. I love this question because, you know, for me, stepping out and and doing the work that I'm now doing, it was on this dream and vision that sort of in 10 to 15 years, the world would be in a different place where the employment model shifted and changed. And then this pandemic happened and everything was sort of accelerated. Right. And there was this big kind of shining light on what is the employment model and what do people actually want. So um, for me, it's been a really, obviously it's been a really um, difficult 18 months for many different reasons, but really interesting too, in terms of what that impact is. Um, but yeah, I sort of talk about the future of work in some ways, I think it's it's the now of work because I think some of this is all changing already in, in earnest, but to your point, I think it's really about the rise of independence. Um, and, you know, I think for talent, it has quite a few different layers to it. Um, and for organisations, I think the bigger challenge is adapting and and leveraging the new world we're entering. Um, but from a talent angle, I think, yeah, I think really what's happened through the pandemic is people have understood that they can be effective in a remote, um, independent place. So I think that's driving a lot of this workforce flexibility but I also think that there is this sense that people have um, they've got a different sense of um, what they actually want to achieve and, and sort of this concept of purpose in their work uh, so I think that that is driving also this independent workforce which is on the rise um, and through that I think people were starting to to think about in parallel you know how can I develop my career and um, develop uh, you know, achieve the things I want to do in my work, but also the experiences I want to have as a person. And so I sense that in the future, people will be almost signing a contract with themselves before they're signing a contract with an organisation, if that's the path they go down. Um, but I think people want to define success on their own measures um, now more than ever. And I think that is very much driving this independent type workforce, which organisations need to be to be ready to to think about and to be ready to build into their workforce planning strategy as well. Okay, a bit of a follow up to that then, Tess. What what do you think this will mean for for HR and and also for for talent pros when it comes to trying to 
to develop and retain a sense of company culture, I guess, on the talent side, on the acquisition side, for example, also trying to sell a company culture when actually companies are going to be made up of uh, core folk within the company itself, but contingent workers, gig workers and all those different relationships. And, and it's a disparate workforce. It's a hybrid workforce, all of these complicating um, factors, right? Yeah, and I think it's a, it's a great point, and I think it's valid a valid kind of concern and, and point for organisations to question. I mean, in in terms of clients and organisations I'm talking to at the moment, I think you know the pendulum kind of keeps swinging in both directions because the big issue for them is how do we maintain consistency in our culture? How do we make sure the culture is not diluted? Sorry, um, when we go forth in a in a hybrid type organisation. Um, and it's not simply about throwing that kind of workspace net wider and just kind of crossing fingers and hoping that culture sticks, because I think it is that is a difficult thing to do. Right. Culture is how you experience your your um, your environment and your day and your team. And, and that is fundamentally shifting. Um, but I think what will happen is the definition, how we think about culture will shift. Um, it's going to be more about flexibility, autonomy and more of a democratized workforce design, team design, um, and that will become part of the culture story for me in the future. That's, that's sort of my projections, I guess, in terms of culture. I think that technology and tools can play, will support, and they can play a role in this um, in terms of understanding some of the cracks and some of the opportunities to bring people together. And I also think it's really about listening to what employees want and figuring out as well from an organization-wide standpoint, if you are in a hybrid environment, um, how do you understand, define the moments that matter for people and ensure that there is an ability to bring people together at the right points in time so that the culture can be even further enabled in this type of environment? Because what you give to people who are looking for flexibility and autonomy is going to be a far greater sense of engagement and productivity. So it's about making sure that you can still sort of bring people together at the right time in the right way for those moments that, that really matter. Okay, so further to what you just said there then, Tess, um, as part of, part of my homework ahead of this interview today, I, I, I jumped on your LinkedIn profile and I had a look at some of your um, more recent uh, LinkedIn posts and uh, a couple of them uh, sort of jumped out at me and I was like, right, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you about those. Um, uh -huh. One one of them you you talk about being over the overwork cult. Yeah, um, maybe you can share with our listeners what why you believe the traditional nine to five job is is pretty much dead. Yes, and look, I've been part of the overwork cult. I did that for a long time. I'm sure many people have been part of it. Um, and I do like that Dolly Parton song, by the way, nine to five. I think that's a good one. Um, but it's a it's certainly an outdated employment model, and I think it has been for a while. I think the nine to five, and I, I also want to caveat this with, I respect that there are some work groups that, and some um, uh, yeah jobs basically that require people to be in a controlled environment, right, between certain hours. So I, I completely um, understand that this is not something that necessarily applies across the board. But I think for the majority, especially in this kind of knowledge worker space, I think it worked really well before we carried technology around with us, con connecting us continually. Um, so you think about it, we, we have, if we were pre-smartphones and pre-sort of email and having access to communications and content, information and technology continually, you needed to be in a room and a, and a place and with people and, and get things done within your immediate facility. Um, but when 
yeah, now that technology is advanced, it's not the same way. And yet, so we've kind of accepted the fact that we never switch off. We're never really truly away from, from the work, but we've not looked to change the, the sort of structure that that happens within. So I think it's fair that we've kind of got to this point of combustion. And, you know, and to my point before, I think the pandemic has now just shone a really big light on all of this and it's forcing it to change. Okay, and I found another uh, LinkedIn post, which I thought was quite interesting as well. But I should preface this, of course, by saying that um, you obviously are able to uh, work from home a lot and still earn gazillions of dollars, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> but um, in this other post, you you, you say that uh, you believe that freedom to work from home is way more valuable than, than a higher salary. Why do you believe that? So I... Again, I, I feel like caveating this because I think for different people, there's different, maybe different cohorts or different sort of stages of life or work areas, there may be a different perspective. But I don't, I think it's very difficult to put a price on the opportunity work from home provides um, for those who want that in their, you know, in their working week. Um, because what it brings to people, I think, is this ability to be trusted, to have independence, autonomy, to work when it works for them and when it works for their day, which I think creates opportunity for people. I think it further engages them. I think it gives them an opportunity to work um, in the way that they feel more energized, more creative. It means that maybe it opens the door up more from a diversity standpoint because people can take on and have flexibility around other things that maybe held them back from the workforce before. So I think my problem, I guess, is is when you say work from home, but we're going to kind of penalise you from a salary perspective, is I think what you give to people, you will get back from them in terms of engagement, productivity. And we all know the links between engagement, performance, um, the bottom line. So I just think if, if people want to work from home, you give them the opportunity to do that, you will see the return on that investment in them. And also, I think to, to another extent, when you start to talk about trust, autonomy, independence, which really comes into this play of work from home, and then you start to put financial figures around it, I think you lose the essence of what you're trying to instill in your employees. It becomes more of a financial decision, not a human decision. Tess, I don't want to upset you, but we are already coming towards the end of this chat today. Before we do wrap up, though, two more questions for you. Um, yeah. you, you. You talk a lot about the importance of finding one's purpose. Uh-huh. How, how much of the the great resignation, as uh, we're consistently talking about on the show at the moment, do, do you attribute to, to this desire within employees? Yeah, I think it's, you know, I think purpose is a really complex topic and I think it permeates a lot, you know, in the HR talent space and even um, beyond that. I think similar to what we were discussing before, they've recognised that people recognise that they can do work remotely and flexibly. And I think this has stirred um, in people new ideas and a realisation that they can take more control about where they work and advance their career alongside other experiences that might be important to them. Um, I think the independent workforce is also creating this opportunity for people to do maybe the work that they're skilled in, but also explore um, other areas of interest and all linking that back to to what's important to them and what makes them feel um, purposeful in their work. Um, so, yeah, I think it's kind of it's this opportunity that we're in now. It's ticking a lot of boxes for people. I think it's an opportunity for organisations, but I think if organisations aren't listening to what employees want or figuring out how to to take that information to chart these kind of waters forward. Um, I think it's uh, possible that, of course, that people will will go to find organisations that 
can embrace um, that level of trust and autonomy and, and flexibility. And so for some, it's going to be the great resignation. And I think for others, it's going to be a, a totally different ball game in terms of um, talent and, and, you know, throwing that net wider in terms of sourcing talent as well. And that in itself brings, um, of course, opportunities and challenges too. Super. And just finally, Tess, how can how can our listeners connect with you? So, for example, you were terribly open when I uh, when I reached out to you through LinkedIn, I think. And and also, how can they learn more about all the cool things happening over at Talent Reimagined? Yeah, of course. So um, we have a website, so www.talentreimagined.com. We have all our blogs and case studies and contact forms, et cetera, there. And to your point, we are, um, as a company and myself personally, available on all the all the social media channels. So we're very responsive. You can find us in many places. Awesome. Well, I'm sure Tess has got some gorgeous beach in Monaco to get to. So um, uh, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> that just leaves me to say for today, Tessa James, thank you so much for being my guest thank on this you. episode. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate it. Take care. And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette.